You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Adam Candy in today for Ed Graney, but that doesn't mean we miss Ed for the entire show. Joining us now from OTAs is Ed Graney. All right, Ed, what, what are you doing right now? I'm sitting here watching Paul Gutierrez do a live spot on ESPN talking about Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> uh, what have you observed anybody to be big or fast yet no not yet they'll hit the okay. field here in a little bit and uh we'll see who's big fast and we'll see who's in the quarterback uh we'll see who's uh playing quarterback so we've talked about that a lot this morning uh what do you make of the colin kaepernick tryout how Man. legitimate do you think this is versus more of a hey mark davis is doing a favor or mark davis is trying to get a different type of publicity out there about the race i mean i don't know what you guys think i i think it could run the gamut tyler of what you just said i don't i'm not going to say that i know uh, ziggler and mcdaniels well enough yet to uh understand if they say this is legitimate and they really want to take a look at the guy. Um, but if you told me also, there's been really bad headlines of late, and they're looking to spark some things the other way um, and to take the shine off other stuff, I would believe that too. So, I mean, I think it could be everything you're saying, right? I mean, you know, it, we'll see today. We'll see. I'm sure there'll be a million follow-up questions. Like I said, people are doing live shots out here, and they're not doing live shots on who's big and strong. They're doing live shots on Colin Kaepernick. So, We'll have to see. Um, I, I think at this point I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt only because, like I said, I don't know them well enough not to. And who will you be talking to today? Who's open at the media availability for you? So we'll be getting answers from those people about Colin Kaepernick. Well, we'll get Josh McDaniels. I'm sure we'll get Derek Carr. And after that, we'll be told when they hit the field the other players that we'll get. Um, uh, that's kind of how they're running um, this portion of OTAs. They're going to kind of tell us more than we request from them who we talk to. So, But I do understand Josh McDaniels and Derek Carl talk. So, you know, I mean, I would guess Josh McDaniels would like the first question to be about whatever happens on the field. But my guess is the first question is going to be about a, a certain quarterback he worked out. <laughs> so you and I have talked a lot about Mark Davis as an owner and, and how – hands-off or hands-on he is, how it did look like, oh, he hired John Gruden, and it was like, you do what you want, and maybe he did the same thing with McDaniels and Ziggler, but he's also been the one that said two years ago, said two months ago, about he'd be open to Colin Kaepernick coming in and working out. Before you've talked to anybody, do you think this is uh, McDaniels and Ziggler saying, hey, we think this guy can help, or do you think this is more about Mark Davis wanting to have Colin Kaepernick work out? I think it's the former to begin with. I think if you saw his quotes, and I'm sure you did and uh, heard his quotes to uh, NBC 39 up in the Bay Area last month, um, I think it's I think it's that to begin with. But I don't think I don't think he'd hold it to a brand new GM and coach if they didn't want to do it. Now maybe they're like, look, he really wants this to happen. He'd like to see if it happened. Let's bring the guy in. Let's work him out and see what we think. But I don't think it would be you know lay down the law. I, I'd I'd be. Uh, it, that would be too bad if that happened, especially with a new GM, a new coach who you've allowed to run the show to this point. But let's be honest, he's been pretty outspoken about it. They're new. He's the owner. What's the uh, downside except for some publicity of bringing him in for a day? So to answer your question, I could see it being Davis and then just saying, look, let's try this out and let's see what it is. And it's a workout. And, you know, if it didn't work out yesterday, they don't need to sign him and they can pass on him. And then the live shots will be for nil. 
Well, Ed, to go back to what you said at the beginning of this, uh, Tyler and I had that discussion from the top that Mark Davis was not exactly lauded for his handling of the John Gruden situation. And now we saw the New York Times report about the troubles within the organization uh, with having a couple of presidents leave in the past year and allegations of harassment, et cetera. Uh, does this move that discussion away? Do, do you think that he could accomplish the Colin Kaepernick situation moving those discussions away or in some ways does it amplify it because we're still talking about off the field stuff with the Raiders yeah I think both if he's here for 24 hours and they don't sign him that'll go away quickly but let's say they sign him I mean there'll be tons of media here starting you know when the next availability is and it'll be a story for a while but like you just said Adam I think when people talked about this wrote about this reported this yesterday they gave the sense that look Here's what's happened of late, and maybe this is trying to get away from that. So that stuff is still brought up. I don't think we can ever get away from the New York Times article for a while now because, you know, supposedly NFL is doing an investigation, although we'll never know the findings of that. Um, and supposedly other people are, you know, following the story. So we're not going to get away from that one. So I think Kaepernick doesn't completely bring us away from, you know, Gruden, Gruden being in the court yesterday, the New York Times article. I don't think that can do it. Again, if Kaepernick's not signed and he's done and it's already over, then it'll just go right back to the New York Times article and, and Gruden and everything else that's been in the headlines for him. I know you haven't seen him play football and you don't have an actual like educated answer to this, but 34 years old, hasn't played since 2016. What do you think the actual chances are that Colin Kaepernick is a better option than Jarrett Stidham or Nick Mullins or anybody else the Raiders could have as a backup quarterback? Now, I did see him beat UNLV 83-6. to six. Uh, So, I think that was the final score. I don't know. It was Mike Sanford's year. I, do, I don't know. I just remembered every time I looked up, that guy was running for touchdowns. Um, i got to be honest with you. I, I, I'm not gonna, I don't think it's a better option than Jared Stidham. I think you trade for him at 25 because he ran your system, and you know him, and you made a trade for him, and he's a lot younger than Colin Kaepernick. Anyone else on the roster, you know, even at 34 – you know, he was obviously a really skilled guy, although his record wasn't great as a starter. I'm sure you guys either have talked about that or know that. I mean, other than the one year, the 12-4 and four year, I think he's maybe 26-30 and 30 as a starter. So he wasn't great. But if you tell me with his athletic ability and his desire, if he came in and was better than the third or fourth guy, I guess I could believe that. I, don't, I mean, I would take Jared Stidham right now over him. The guy hasn't played in five years. Oh, my God. How cute is that, Tyler? He thinks we talk about QB wins when he's gone. <laughs> That's <laughs> adorable. We're talking about PFF grades and DVOA. Ed, you know, know that. I know. I know. I, I'm imagining I'm there, and my lack of knowledge at, uh, analytically is brought into the overall record of Colin Kaepernick. You're, you're good, though, Ed. You're not, you're not that bad with the analytics. You might not search I, them out yourself, but you're not, like, running from them. No, I don't run from them because I know how important they are in sports right now. But I, uh, I, I, I stop my uh, knowledge at PFF and the rankings they give because I believe in those people. <laughs> you made me a believer. Oh, good. The only thing you run from are, uh, what is it, mock drafts? You're not, you're not doing mock drafts. I'm not doing mock drafts. You know that. You've given me a hard time about that. I don't do mock drafts. Uh, but I've caught, on, I've caught on a little. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. I, I, there's, it's like you said, Tyler made the best one. I, we haven't seen them. 16 so who knows i mean i saw a clip of him throwing that michigan spring game where nfl scouts were you know in shorts and a t-shirt whatever that means so 
you know, we could go out today here in a little bit. He could not be here. We could talk to Josh McDaniels, and he could say, hey, we worked him out. It's probably not going to work out, and that'll end it. Ed, what were you planning on talking to Josh McDaniels <laughs> and Derek Carr about before Colin Kaepernick arrived for a workout yesterday? That's a great question, and I have no answer for you because OTAs are, and you know what, unless someone doesn't show up and we believe everyone's here, uh, it's interesting, you know, maybe talk to Derek Carr about integrating into McDaniels and the system, and, you know, I think it's the sixth new new play caller that he's had, so he, Derek Carr would talk on that. But as far as, far as Josh McDaniels, I think you go maybe position groups. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the questions I know will be asked by the media here. Uh, it'll be position groups. It'll be um, how deep they are at certain positions. If they're bringing in more offensive linemen, if they think when they get the money freed up, there'll be contract extensions for people like Waller and Renfro. Kind of the stuff we've been talking about with him, you know, since he got here. But now we have a new case in Colin Kaepernick. But again, that que- that question could end with one answer, and then we'll all be looking at each other around the room. Uh, I need I, so so a little bit outside of Colin Kaepernick, Ed tomorrow. Can you report back on, like, Demarcus Robinson, Mac Holland, some of these wide receivers that might have to play, which ones are big and which ones are fast? Oh, you, I've already got my notebook ready. Okay, good. I'll tell you good who's job. big, I'll tell you who's small and fast, and I'll tell you who, uh, you know, has to use the water uh, contraptions and, uh, you know, get their hands <laughs> clean and stuff like that from the guys last year. I'll do that. Don't worry, the notebook's ready. I've got I've got my uh, marching orders. Ed, okay. Ed, um the biggest integration into the new system that I need to know about is Deuce Gruden. Oh, you know, the Deucer is, we found out yesterday from William Ramirez, is on his way soon to another uh, powerlifting or what is the lifting competition. And I told him oh. yesterday, Adam, you know, and I thought, I really thought this was all, this was genuine. When John was here, I wanted to write a column on Deuce um, about his pro, you know, his body lifting and his, his lifting and working for his dad and stuff like that. And, the answer I got back is he kind of passed on the interview, so I was never able to do that. And I was kind of bummed because I thought it'd be kind of a cool story, you know, how he got into powerlifting. Um, I think Tyler's mentioned he's, he was a running back in college. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll also give you an update on the Deucer tomorrow. Yes, we do need to know anything and everything that Deuce Gruden does today. Uh, yeah. that, would be very, <laughs> that would be very appreciated if we could get that update tomorrow. All right, Ed, uh, enjoy. OTAs. Enjoy uh, jumping in the background of Paul Gutierrez's, Gutierrez's live shot. Thanks, Ed. I might do that right now. I'll see you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Be good. So there is Ed Graney live from OTAs. He'll be back tomorrow with all his updates on who is big, who is fast, and who is strong uh, at Raiders OTAs. First day of the media can be out there. So there you go. Adam, what would be the number one storyline if they hadn't worked out Colin Kaepernick yesterday? I mean, it's got to be Devontae Adams up and down, right? What else do you want to talk about with the okay. Raiders right now? I mean, I don't, I don't want to hear about defense. I don't want to hear necessarily about McDaniel's talking about scheme because he's going to give you a bunch of Belichick answers, right? I just okay. want to know about. I want to know how Devontae Adams is doing. Yeah, you just go big off-season acquisition. This guy should make a difference. Here he is, first day we've seen him practicing. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's better than. I mean, the, the th- I was thinking, like, it, where the hell is Alex Leatherwood playing was the only thing I had. But yours is better. You're better, well, uh, better editor. It's more Well, it's more answerable now, right? It's like the thing about Alex Leatherwood, I mean, we beat that into the ground last year just the same way defensive ends beat Alex Leatherwood into the ground last year. <laughs> That's not very nice. <laughs> Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. 
Bischoff's briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just now. Uh, Adam, do you want to take over Bischoff's briefs today to tell us about the uh, new coach with the New York Giants? Look, I just want 10 seconds to say Steve Smith is going to bring swagger to the New York Giants that they have not had in a long time. And I will take swagger over wins even at this point as a Giants fan. <laughs> so you are excited about Steve Smith, no matter what the role is for him. No, oh, I'm absolutely stoked for this. Like, I, I look, I I have been very clear about the fact that I, this foreign feeling I have as a Giants fan called hope is dangerous. It is a little bit thrilling. It makes me nervous. Uh, but I, I I think the Giants might actually have a chance of even winning seven or eight games this year, which would be a massive improvement. Wow, you are that you are optimistic. Is that just because of the new coaching staff? It's in part because of the new coaching staff. It's in part because I think for the first time in maybe a decade, they might have taken the right steps to fix the offensive line. And I don't mean fix like they're going to be tops in the league, just to them not being bottom three. Wow. I'm, I'm impressed by the optimism around the Giants. Okay, I mean, I'm going to have to keep this in mind when we're in about week yeah. five or six of the season, and we'll check back in. I'm just saying, you you dragged me last time I talked to you for saying the Yankees were not as good as a 28-9 record. <laughs> oh, by the way, they've gone three and four since then. Uh, oh, no. And now you're you're saying, oh, mark down your optimism. So you got to want one or the other from me. Oh, well, you're here's the thing. You are optimistic about the bad team and pessimistic about the good team. It's which lands opposite. you right in the middle, which is the best <laughs> place to live. I'm not going to get too far down. I'm not going to get too high. I'm just going to live with the realistic expectation that in the in the analytics era, and this will lead right into Bischoff's briefs, in the analytics era, I just want to be good enough to get to the playoffs and then let the wild variants take over. All right. Bischoff's briefs is actually about complaining today. Uh, Defector had a story about... Basically, which MLB teams caused their fans the most suffering? And they had a fun graph that was just comparing uh, length of time, how long your team's games take on average, compared to your team's winning percentage. So, you know, if you have really long games and you suck, that's the worst case scenario. If you have really short games and you win, that's considered the best case scenario. The Phillies have the longest length of games. They're right around 500, though, so not completely terrible. The Tigers actually have the shortest games, but they're well under 500, so those kind of cancel out there. Uh, the Dodgers are just under the average length of game, but have one of the best winning percentages. The Astros, have they, they are the average team as far as length of time goes. They're like top five or so in win percentage. The Yankees still have the best record, even though we have pessimistic Yankees fan on here. Uh, fifth longest length of time for their average game this season. So I, I want to start with a question. For you and Yankees games, how much does the length of the game bother you? Only if it's a game that I'm choosing to 
be very interested in and sit down and say, I'm really excited to watch this pitching matchup. These two teams go after it. And then it's a three hour and 45 minute game. And I'm, but for the most part, when I have a baseball game on, you know, it's pretty much like right when I'm finished, turn the game on. I'm probably making dinner. I'm probably, you know, taking care of the dog. Like I'm checking in and out. So I actually don't mind the fact that the game is longer because it's more time of entertainment that I can check in for 15, 20 minutes at a time. That is very similar to how I view like watching the Astros play. I like watching the Astros play. So I enjoy when their games are on and baseball is a terrific, um, background sport right like you said you can be doing other things and not truly miss the important parts of the game it's terrific for that and so i don't i don't actually mind the length of games the only times it might really bother me is like if i have something to do like if they play a weekend game early in the day and i'm like going to dinner like maybe then i'm like oh i'd hope this wraps up before i have to leave but that's not really not really something that happens a whole lot the the one thing that i will say that has like ruined me. I think 2020 ruined my baseball watching habits because we got a shortened 60 game season. There still was not much to do besides sit at home. I probably watched every single Astros game that year. And it's some, it's for some reason built into me, like the expectation, like, Oh, I, I need to watch every Astros game, which is just a horrible way to live. There's 162 of these things. I do not need to watch them, but I'm like, Oh, May 25th, I, I better watch the Astros play or I'm missing out. And I get it because once we didn't have it, you value it in a different yeah. way, right? But then you forget why you valued it. You forget that you didn't value it as four hours that you had to dedicate to something. You valued it as I can have this on and check in when I want to check in and probably not have missed much. It's, it's the opposite of hockey. Look, if there were... If there were a gold medal to be given out for doing something mundane in the house for 15 seconds and missing a goal, <laughs> that would be my gold medal. I have had situations where I've looked up at the screen. I've seen, oh, they just dumped the puck in. I walk over to put a dish in the sink, and all of a sudden, Kenny Albert is losing his stuff. <laughs> it's amazing. I don't know how I do it, but I do it. So... I don't have too much of a problem with the length of time in baseball, even though that seems to be something that they're constantly trying to fix. But I do have my top two problems for the sport of baseball. Number one is something that I complain about regularly, and it is the strike zone. Uh, obviously, we have AAA trying out right now the uh, robots, the lasers to tell us if pitches are balls and strikes. I would love to see that at the major league level. I think what's really caused me to get annoyed about this is the fact that we have the K zone live on TV that pretty much every broadcast you watch has the strike zone and we can see in real time. Oh, he blew that one, right? That's what tends to annoy me. And it, it shouldn't make me that mad that there's a third inning one Oh pitch that gets called a strike that missed by an inch. But for whatever reason, I am just furious because I'm like, we have the technology. We don't have to suffer through this. I don't need to angrily look up the up scorecard the next day to see how hosed my team got. But that makes me irrationally angry. My number two problem with baseball, and here's the, here's the thing. I actually didn't come up with a lot of good reasons as to why I don't like baseball. I, I like baseball, but I couldn't really come up with a long list here. But my number two reason, and I know that Adam will like this one. The amount 
of streaming services that you need to watch your team play. And like I described earlier, I have this strange desire that I have to watch every single Astros game. I don't have a big problem. It's not ideal, but I don't have a big problem with, okay, I pay for DirecTV and I have MLB.TV. I can watch every Astros game, right? If they play one of the six teams that we get here locally, the Giants, the A's, the Diamondbacks, or the Dodgers, the Angels, and the Padres, I'll watch those on DirecTV. If they play anybody else, I watch it on MLB TV. Again, not ideal. I wish it was in one, but I'm okay. I'm okay with that. They make a lot of money from their local TV deals. That's how they make so much money. I'm okay with that. But now, this year, the Astros have played two games already, Friday nights on Apple TV. Fortunately, the Astros were in the first half of the season, which is free on Apple TV. I believe the second half of the season, when they put games on Apple TV, they will not be free. You will have to have an Apple TV subscription. Uh, But twice they've played on Apple TV. There are now games that are only on Peacock on like Sunday mornings or something like that. The Astros haven't played there yet, but once they do, I'll have to figure that out. So in order to watch all of the Astros games, I need DirecTV, MLB.TV, Apple TV, and Peacock. That is four services, which is unbelievable. Like that, that's ridiculous that you would need four different services to watch one team play all of its games. How about being a Yankees fan needing five? Yeah, what do you guys do with Amazon Prime? uh, The Yankees took, I believe, I want to say it was 21 games and threw them on Amazon Prime. Now, I luck out as a Yankees fan outside of the tri-state area because in the tri-state area, that set of games you can only get on Amazon Prime. (laughs) Uh, now you as a Yankees fan outside of the area can still get an MLB TV. But as you mentioned, MLB TV, right? So I, I pay for that. I pay for direct TV. Then there's Peacock. Then there's Apple TV. And by the way, I watched one of the Apple TV broadcasts the other night. I don't know if I'm just not the target audience, but this is not a good broadcast. It, it's, it just, it doesn't have any sense of what it wants to be. It, it, It feels like baseball is there as an afterthought. Anyway, uh, long story short with with the streaming services, it's nuts to have to do this, but it's Major League Baseball's latest FU to the fans, which is we're going to get as much money as we can for the rights to these games, no matter how hard we make it for our fans to find them. The second thing that, um, that you just talked about when it comes to Major League Baseball and making it more difficult for the fans to find the games can you imagine that they're going to have to put some of them behind another paywall that you might have to pay more for games paying essentially two to three times for certain games wait what why are you foreshadowing something that sounds you just talked about the apple tv thing the fact that you might need an apple tv subscription subscription in the second half of the year yeah nightmare nightmare scenario can you so hold on the yankees amazon prime thing that's a like the Yankees took some of their games that would have been on the Yes Network and gave them to Amazon Prime. This is correct. Okay, so that, so like Apple TV and Peacock is like a national MLB TV. This was just the Yankees doing their own local thing, right? This is the Yankees going and adding a little extra cherry on top of the Fu Sunday. Uh, that uh, uh, all right? <laughs> what? T- why the the first thing? Why does it bother you so much? Why does it bother me? Yeah. So the main two reasons, one is having to pay more, 
uh, because you need to pay for four things. Right, to right, watch right. But, but no, but but your first point. Uh, what about having them be in different places and having to go find them different places? No, it, it, it's okay. We'll move on from. We'll talk about it uh, okay. in, in the last segment. Okay, coming up next, Jr. Starkus joins the show. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with Jr. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits Key Account Executive and our extreme mixologist Jr. Starkus. Good morning, Jr. How are you today, sir? How are you? Very good, very good. Um, good. How did Shohei Starkus do last or this week? Uh, so the season's over. They finished their season last Thursday. Um, he, he finished the season very well. A lot of good stats. He just uh, they just had their actual uh, their team their team party. So he finished um, the season leading the team in strikeouts, batting average, uh, doubles, triples, home runs, RBIs. Um, a couple other stats too. So, so needless to say, uh, he had a really great season. He woke up this morning, went to the gym, he went to the cages, and we leave uh, town this evening for Arizona for some for some wood bat tournaments now for the summer. I mean, he was team MVP at the team banquet, right? Uh, yes, he was a player of the year is what they called it. So they give out two <laughs> okay. awards: they give out a player of the year and they give out a. Uh, an MVP, and he won the Player of the Year award. The MVP award went to a gentleman by the name of Ariel Rodriguez, senior, graduating this year, heading up to uh, Washington for college. Our shortstop, he was a four-year, four-year starter and our leadoff guy. So incredible talent, and uh, happy to see him win that award. All right, we had Jason Fitz on the show earlier, and he started I to heard compare. <laughs> quarterbacks to vodkas um do yeah. you have any good comparisons like who who what would tom brady be as a vodka or you can go any liquor it doesn't have to be vodka but what would tom brady be as an well tom brady tom brady would be like tappy van winkle 23 year old bourbon like aged to perfection delicious hard to get but everybody wants it right that's 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 the tom brady like there's not a single team out there i don't think would can you think of a single team that would be if they said tom brady's available for one year that they would say, ah, nah, I'll pass. I don't think I mean, so, like, right? And it's the same. Yeah, Kansas City and Buffalo would. Yeah, maybe. Well, Buff- uh, I mean, do you think Buffalo would? I could understand Kansas City. Buffalo would. Do you think Buffalo would be like, hey, uh, do me a favor, take a back seat, just watch, please, just watch. You don't no, think they would they do want, that? They may. They, they want Josh Allen. They want all the Josh Allen they can get. I don't know. Buffalo fans might. Buffalo fans would be excited, but they would also be like, "Ah, maybe we should." They would. They would try to. I think they might consider it. That's all. Um, especially if the price was right. But the point being is that everybody kind of wants the Pappy Van Winkle twenty-three year old or any of the Pappy Van Winkle line. So that's what I would say uh, would be Tom Brady, like a, an incredibly rare, hard to get bourbon that everybody wants. Who is Baker Mayfield as an alcohol? Hmm. Baker Mayfield would be something like I have to think like it would be it would be something that you thought was a good idea, but then you drink too much and got really sick off of it and swore never to do it again. Uh, so like you know I don't know it would be some sort of tequila or something probably. I like tequila, but a lot of people have their horror stories about tequila. They would say you know like oh this is a really good idea today, and then tomorrow they they tell you I'm never drinking tequila again. So that would be I think Baker Mayfield would be some sort of overuse of tequila big time. Big stuff, garbage stuff. Here's an important one for you. What is Derek Carr? 
Stair car would be something that's serviceable, middle of the road. Everybody likes it. You wouldn't say no to it, but you're not necessarily clamoring after it. Um, so I would say that would be something like, man, what would that be? That would be something like a, a vodka wise, middle of the road, like Stoli, right? Stoli is a great vodka. A lot of people like it. Somebody gave it to you or poured it for you, wouldn't say no. Uh, but you may not be chasing it around because you'd be happy if you had another great vodka like Grey Goose or Ciroc or Absolute. Um, you know, so so that's where I think that's where I think Derek Carr would be. Somebody who's like, okay, cool, we got it. But then if somebody came to you with something else, you'd be like, okay, cool, that's fine too. That works too. That's where I think you'd be. You did you did very good at this. I'm impressed. Well, I'll give you one more. Where, what would the Red Sox be as an alcohol this year? <sighs> Man, what would be something that would be like? Trying to think of something that would be like super um, up and down. You're going to hear my dog barking now. Uh, super up and down. Um, uh, oh, I, all right. So the, the Red Sox would be Don Julio 1942. Uh, because another thing is Don Julio 1942, tremendous, uh, tremendous tequila. Everybody wants to get their uh, hand of it, kind of like the, the, the um, Pappy Van Winkle analogy that I use. But. Uh, it's not always there for you. You can't always get it. You, you're always asking for it. So, like, everybody's always asking for the Red Sox to be good and to do something good. And, and, and every once in a while, they'll treat you to a couple wins in a row and score 13 or 15 runs, and the next night they'll uh, poop themselves. All right. Uh, <laughs> Memorial Day weekend, you're making something with BlackBerry for us? Yeah, Memorial Day weekend. So, you know, this time of year, usually in the in the beginning of the year, you get announcements from a lot of the brands that, they're, they're, they're kind of uh, announcing their new flavors. Well, Ciroc, Ciroc Vodka, everybody's familiar with Ciroc Vodka, um, or a lot, of, a lot of people should be familiar with Ciroc Vodka, but every year Ciroc usually has a couple new entrants to the market, whether it be uh, a seasonal that returns or a new flavor. So they have the Ciroc Watermelon that you'll see out there this year, and then this new one, literally, I just got my hands on it last week, called Ciroc Passion. Um, so Ciroc Passion has notes of like that passion fruit kind of, uh, a, a fruit forward, but also a little bit to a degree like that tanginess that maybe a grapefruit or an, a peel might have. Uh, really kind of lively flavored vodka. Interesting thing about Ciroc is they're a little less improved. There's a little uh, sweetness to them. So if you like a product that's a little sweeter, a vodka that's a little sweeter, uh, this certainly this certainly does a great job. To me, Ciroc vodka, all of the flavors really are, are really, really easy to make drinks with because the flavor is very prominent. Sometimes vodkas that have more of a natural flavor to it um, like a Grey Goose Essences where the flavor is more natural, it's harder for somebody to, to draw that flavor out in the cocktail. You have to be more careful um, with the ingredients that you're adding. When you're using something like Ciroc Passion that's very forward in its flavor, you can, you can layer it differently and use some flavors that maybe um, uh, that stack well on each other and create a beverage that's very, very powerful in its flavor, right? Uh, so I decided to use Ciroc uh, passion this this time and what i'm doing is i'm taking two ounces of the ciroc passion into a mixing tin with three blackberries and i'm gently muddling those blackberries together to kind of just you know break them up a little bit into the vodka i'm going to add three quarter ounces of fresh lemon juice and then three quarter ounces of the liquid alchemist or jot syrup i use liquid alchemist all the time in my opinion it is without question the best cocktail syrup that you can use for your beverage uh, on the market um Orjat is almond, so if you have an almond allergy, uh, I obviously don't use that. But you could use simple syrup if you wanted, or in the same uh, in the same proportion, three quarters of an ounce. 
Take all those ingredients, shake them well with ice, and then you're going to strain it over fresh ice. Now, I'll double strain this, which means I'm using a tea strainer, and the reason I do that is because some people don't like the chunks of berry that will inevitably end up here in your drink if you if you don't double strain it. You don't have to. If you like chunks of berry in your drink, by all means, uh, don't double strain it. But I double strain it. You'll get this beautiful purple color that really just kind of blends well with the bottle. The bottle's got like this purple-red um, look to it. Gorgeous, gorgeous bottle. After you double strain it over fresh ice, um, I use uh, about two ounces of club soda um, in, the, in the mixture as well. You can either add it to the top of the double strain and stir it or just add it to your mixture that you've just shaken and strain everything all at once. Uh, garnish it with two blackberries on a, on a wooden skewer. Um, you can even garnish with a color, uh, like a little sprig of mint or something if you want a little more color. Um, but I call that drink uh, the passion berry, and it is – really, really great and refreshing, especially with as warm as it's supposed to be this weekend. Um, it's, it's just a really great cocktail for the, uh, it's one of my favorites that I've made in a long time. I was, I was going back and forth with Ash a little bit on, on, uh, uh, from our friend Sam and Ash on Twitter this morning. And I told her, I said, I, I, I do drink every single drink that I make to make, to taste it. And it is one of the favorite ones that I've made in quite some time. So this is, this is good. People are going to love this one if they take a chance on it. Have you had real passion fruit before? Yes. Uh, is is yes, the actual it. fruit or the flavor in drinks more popular? Because I feel like I see more drinks that are passion fruit than actual passion fruits. No, no, you'll you'll yeah, no, for sure, you'll see the actual flavor in the beverage, uh, the flavoring, I should say, like the Ciroc passion. You'll see that way more than you'll actually see a regular passion fruit. Um, not too many people are going to look and try to source passion fruit because it's like when you cut it open, it's like almost um, gelatinous in its. And its texture on the inside, it's a great flavor. It tastes like, um, like uh, to me, it tastes like, like kind of like a sour grapefruit or um, a sweeter lemon. Um, great flavor, but and it has like these seeds in it. So if you're not using it correctly, it can it can be a little funky for a lot of people. To me, it makes a great addition to a cocktail. But um, the less expensive and very easy way and less uh, less difficult way to source the flavor is by using a great flavored vodka like Ciroc Passion. All right, he is J.R. Starkus, Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits, our extreme mixologist. J.R., we appreciate your time this morning. You bet, guys. Talk to you next week. So there is J.R. Starkus from Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Before we go to break, we've got tickets to give away. If you want to go see the Eagles, they're coming to Las Vegas this Saturday. It's a couple days away at MGM Grand Garden Arena. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see the Eagles, the Hotel California Tour, 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to see the Eagles. We'll take caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Thanks to Adam Candy filling in today for Ed Graney, who's out at Raiders OTAs. I'll be back tomorrow with a full report on who is big and who is fast. Um, Adam showed some optimism about the New York Giants earlier in the show. And Danny, you, you have some questions about his optimism? I'm not really questioning the optimism. I'm just kind of curious from a sports betting aspect. Currently, they are sitting at their over-under win total with William Hill is at 7 at plus 120 and 7.5 at plus 130 on the over at MGM. Would you care to take either of those overs for plus money? No, because I think that number is set 
just about right. right? I said, I think they're going to be a seven or eight win team. Like, so you're, you know, on the first one there, yeah, you're getting plus money. You're pushing seven. So if you're pushing seven and they have to win eight, you know, for you to cash, that's not, uh, you know, that's not terribly, uh, that's not terribly bad. Um, as for seven and a half, that would be, that would be a little scarier. Yeah, that's a little dicey right there. I think seven would be a good one because yeah, because like I, I, I got to push. Yeah, if this team goes seven and ten, not only will that feel just about right, I might lead a parade down the street. <laughs> if they hit their win total, you're going to lead a parade. Seven wins feels like a season I might watch. Do you realize how long it's been since I actually cared to watch all 17 games of a Giants season? Oh, it's been brutal for you guys. My whole family's Giants fans, and I just hear it from my uncle every week. <laughs> and, and, and Danny, I get that because, you know, it's been a painful time with this regime. Now, don't get me wrong. I hear you Browns fans. I hear you Jets fans. Like, the Giants have won four Super Bowls in my lifetime. I can't be that upset it's just that the current version of suffering it's kind of like what tyler was talking about with the strike zone in baseball right we have the technology to fix this we have the means to fix this problem <laughs> and we don't and giants ownership had the means to fix the problem of getting rid of dave gettleman years sooner than they did and yet somehow didn't so you know i i there seems to be a, a running theme in just so many areas of the world right now of having solutions to fix something and yet yeah. not fixing them. Yeah, not doing it. Um, on the strike zone, did you have more questions about why it upsets me so much? Well, I guess for someone who's willing to accept hockey as a dumb sport, right? Because so much of what goes on just ultimately, right? You can do the right things and have it not be controlled. Baseball, once the ball is put in play, there are so many things that can happen that, that, that can't be controlled. Is it just that you feel like you know, this is a solvable problem the way tennis solved it? Like tennis, nobody argues anymore. Right? Yes. The, la oh. the lasers win. Oh, yeah. Tennis is, tennis is the example that we should be using for strike zones. Like I, I can understand why football doesn't have some sort of robot umpires because there are a lot of moving parts. But tennis, there is a ball. And there is a set of boundaries and we can tell where that ball hits in relation to those boundaries with like 99.9% accuracy. We can do that in baseball too. It's like, yes, there is a strike zone. We should know what the strike zone is and we should have it called at a 100 or 99.9% .9 rate, not at a 93 or whatever the average is according to ump scorecards. Like give me that 99 0.9% rate, and I will be happy with it. And beyond that, we've got that report from ESPN a couple weeks ago about umpires, when they're graded by Major League Baseball, get a two-inch buffer zone off the plate to where the calls are still deemed acceptable. So if you throw a pitch two inches off the plate, the umpire can call it whatever he wants, and Major League Baseball is going to say, that's a good call. Yes, give me what appears to be pretty easy technology. I know the, the TV broadcast K-Zones are not exactly perfect. And I know that there are some misses on that, but the technology does exist. And I feel like if there was just even a little bit of investment into it, it could get to where it's a 99.9%. .9%. We all agree. This is the strike zone. Let's go play. Let's go play. What is also a dumb sport in baseball, because it is very dumb. Like hockey, you just get 160 to hopefully even out the dumbness, not 80 of them. I more wanted to explore it with you because I've been team robot umps for a long time. I mean, it doesn't get questioned in tennis. 
right? We all just accept that whatever the eye says is whatever goes. And with baseball, we've even seen it. When's the last time you saw a manager come out to argue after a replay review? Yeah. It's, they don't. They yeah. just don't. They don't say anything. Now, the replay review rules are in many ways intensely stupid. I mean, the Yankees had a, a play taken away from them a couple of days ago on a ball that literally hit the chalk that was ruled foul that they could not challenge because of the where the ball had landed in relation to the umpire. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was an insane ruling, but everyone was restricted by it. So Michael Kay on the Yankee broadcasts, I think, makes the best point of all. If we're going to fix this, why not fix all of it? Why are we restricting what we can and can't fix? That is to, to bring basketball into this. It's the whole whose finger did it go off of last review when like they go to review it and it's very clearly, oh, the defender slapped his hand. It probably should have been a foul, but then it went off the offensive guy's fingertips last. Well, we can't call a foul here, but we have to give the other team possession. It, it's very much like that, where if we're, if we're reviewing things, why are there certain things that we can see on replay that they that's wrong, but can't be fixed? It's, it's pretty annoying. Oh, I, I, I'll give you a quick example before we, uh, before we skip out here. We are not allowed, if we review a play for the restricted area, for whether the guy was in or out on a block charge, we're not allowed to re-referee whether it was a block or a charge. Even if we can see that we got the call wrong in the moment, the only thing we're allowed to do is referee the arc. Oh, man, that's rough. Last night in the Astros game, the first base umpire missed back-to-back -back calls at first base, which I have never seen before. They're usually pretty good at those.